listening to the Living Room North Living Room North Living Room North podcast. are um, in a series right now called Follow, and it's been cool to hear about what you've been experiencing for the last two weeks. Uh, For some of you in the room, um, on the spectrum of belief, you have been walking with God, you've been in this faith journey for a while, and what you've been learning during this series is, you know, how to be a better follower. But for some of you in the room, uh, maybe for some of you that have been here for the last couple of weeks, you're just learning what this thing is all about. You still have questions and doubts, and, and you're just taking steps to fully understand this. Wherever you are on the spectrum, I want you to know that we're glad you're here, for one, uh, the homies, y'all are in the building, Uh, but for two, we're hoping that uh, with this series, you'll just learn a little bit more about what it means to follow Jesus, and so we're going to wrap this thing up tonight, all right? Now, my first question is, do I have any swimmers in the building? Do I have any swimmers? We got a picture up of a pool. Y'all know what it is. Okay, two of y'all, great. Everybody else drowning. That's perfect. I just love what's going down. Swimmer in the building. Well, quick story about swimming real quick. I'm not a swimmer, okay? I'm just going to be real about that 100%. Um, But in middle school, I thought I was a swimmer, okay? And I went home. I can vividly remember the day I said, I'm going to ask my mama if I can join the swim team. I'm going to crush it. I'm a three on the Enneagram. Shout out to the achievers. You know what I'm saying? I'm about to shut it down. That's what I thought. So I go home. I said, Mom, I got an idea. She said, okay, okay, what's going on? I said, I want to join the swim team. She said, no. I said, well, you're a hater. I didn't really say that. I said it in my mind. Um, she, she said, no. I said, I mean, well, why? Like, I mean, do you have any reasons? Like, I, I really want to do this. I think it's just my thing, mom. And she said, well, two reasons, baby girl. Number one, you can't swim. I said, okay. <laughs> Explain that. She said, you jumped into the deep end last summer with a pool noodle. You almost drowned. You remember that? I said, we don't have to bring that back up. I've grown up. It's been four months, Okay. <laughs> Um, she said, that's number one. Number two, what you going to do about your edges? I said, what? She said, now, you know, your hair is a little coarse. It don't be looking good when it get wet. And I, I just trying to figure out what you, I said, okay, mom, I'm going to figure that out too. They got swim caps. You just seal it down and it won't mess up my edges. And she said, I, I just don't know. I don't know about it. I said, mom, please just let me try. Can I try? Let me just try. She said, all right, cool. I said, bet, I need to go shopping. I'm trying to get me a cute bathing suit, you know what I'm saying? Um, she said, okay, whatever. So I get this black bathing suit because it's like only one piece. It's so weird. Um, couldn't be, get a bikini. But um, got my black bathing suit. I showed up to the first practice, I will not forget, with the goggles, with the nose. Because who in the world, okay, is going to go without the nose because the water get up in there and it hurt it, Right? <laughs> My swim coach was like, hey, no, we can't wear those. If you dive, it'll hurt your face. You got to do just the goggles without the nose. I said, but how am I going to keep the water out of my nose? This is a little weird. He was like, you have this. You just have to blow out. I said, great. Y'all, it was horrible. Treacherous experience. But I, I, I went to practice. I did my thing. My hair looked incredibly horrible every single day I went to school. Um, but I remember I had my first swim meet, you guys. And it wasn't a real swim meet. It was like a little scrimmage or whatever. But I was so excited. I was like, I kind of have this thing down pat. My swim coach said, okay, all you need to do is the freestyle, okay, 100. Is you go down, you come back, you go down, you come back. I said, yeah, I'm going to crush it. He's like, just, you know, just get some practice in. I'm like, it doesn't even matter. I don't even need practice. I'm like the Beyonce of swimming out here right now. And so I get to the swim meet, guys. I've got my cutie little bathing suit on and my little goggles without the nose because it's against the rules. And I'm standing on this little, like, mat thingy. I don't know what it is. That's how bad you know. Um, I don't know anything about swimming. 
but I get on this little thing. I'm looking to my right and my left. There are people from other schools. I'm like, hey, what's up? Like, you guys on the swim team, yeah, you're going to kill it. They're dead serious. These are like little tadpoles. I don't know what's going on. They've learned to swim. I, I don't know. They're like Michael Phelps situation. I said, it's cool. It's cool. Guys, they blow the whistle. I dive in. Belly flop. You know what I'm saying? I said, okay, whoa. Whoa. Didn't get the dive quite right. Um, but I, I keep going. I have to, like, get on my toes and then push. But it's cool. And so I'm going. It's just a freestyle. It's just you kind of just swim, swim, and then you, like, look up for air. And then you're swimming, swimming. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm the Little Mermaid. I'm crushing it right now. Like, I think I'm really killing it. Guys, I look up, and I'm only about a quarter from the original place where I belly flopped. I said, okay, this is intense. All right, this is kind of weird. It's cool. I keep going because I'm going to crush it. I keep going, I'm doing my thing, I'm striding, I'm doing it, I'm killing it. I finally get down to the end. Now, when you get to the end in like professional swimming, you have to do like a flippy thing. But it's like aerodynamic for some reason. It's like you flip and then you turn and then you somehow like end up going the other way. I said, it's cool, I was a cheerleader, <laughs> I got it. Guys, I flip, I'm still facing the same way. I'm looking at the wall, I'm like, where's everybody at? You know what I'm saying? I turn around, I said, whoa, there they are. These tadpole swimmers are on their third lap coming back, y'all. Now I'm trying to finish my first. I said, forget the little spinny thing. I'm just gonna hop on those toes again and push right on off the wall. I'm doing it. I'm going, guys. Mid-stroke, I said, I'm getting ready to drown. I'm gonna die. I don't have anything left to give. Um, and y'all, I'm, I'm serious. I was like, this is crazy. I get halfway through my second lap. They have come back, done a flippy thingy, and they're lapping me. I thought in my brain, I said, I can't go out like this. This is embarrassing. I said, I'm going to get out of the water when they get out of the water. They're on their fourth lap. I'm on my fourth lap as well, not my second. This is not your second. Get out of the water. You're going to drown. So literally, you guys, I hop up out the water and I just start like power walking. I can literally see my coach out of my peripheral, like, Tony! I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. I killed it. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Y'all, I'm calling my mom. I'm like, I have my little flip phone. I had a little pebble. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's like you slide down and you slide up. And then I'm just like texting. I'm like, mom, come get me. She didn't answer the phone. She thought the swim meet was going to be a little bit longer. I was like, I got to get out of here. I, 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 I. Got, 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 got. That's how you used to text. That's how you had to text because it was like the little numbers. Okay. So guys, my mom finally is like, okay, on the way. I'm sitting and I'm hiding in the little like gym closet thing, whatever that's called. And I was so embarrassed, y'all. Like, this is the end for me. I'm like, I can't go back to school. Like, <laughs> you know how you get, you're like in middle school, you're like, my life is over, oh my gosh. Like, no one's gonna be my friend. I sit in there and this girl on the swim team, I will never forget her name, her name was April Penna. She was known as like the Christian girl. Like she wore, like we had uniforms, but her uniforms were like right here where ours, we were like trying to like just fold them up just to have like a cute score, you know? I mean, she was like the good girl, you know what I'm saying? And so she comes in there and she's like, hey, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I just killed my first race. I am fine. And she's like, hey, you know, I, see, I saw what happened. Like, I just want you to know it's all good. I'd love to see you, like, come back to swim practice. And I was like, oh, my gosh, April, thank you so much. She was like, can I pray for you? I was like, this is getting a little weird, April. Um, 
this is a little awkward. And I'm like, okay, girl, sure. Like, just to pass by the time, I'm waiting on my mom. She prays for me, you guys. It's like a whole experience. So I get in the car. Mom's like, how'd it go? I was like, crushed it. I'm like the team captain now. Whatever. Um, She knew. She knew it was bad. But the moral of the story is this, like, April, I will never forget her, literally, because of the love that she showed me right? Because she was kind of the only person that like had my back in that moment. She was showing me this love of God. And so honestly, April planted something in me, a belief in me for the rest of my life about Christians. I was like, all Christians are nice. (laughs) This is what it is. This is my model for Christianity. Got it. Well, fast forward out of middle school, throughout high school, never got saved, by the way, was twerking at all the parties for sure. Um, doing my thing, sweating it out. Um, I go off to college, more twerking. It was crazy out here. Um, Not saved, but I did go to like the little Bible study thing because they had food, you know. So anyways, I, um, I keep going. I turn 20. I find a church in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm like, oh, I kind of dig this like Jesus thing. And so fast forward to this Tony right here. I know, I know. So this is student director, Tony. They, for some reason, put me in charge of the student ministry, and I would go on to be ordained and uh, just operate in this church at a really high level in leadership. And honestly, I still question their, their judgment. I'm like, guys, seriously, I was like barely saved. Um, but unfortunately, that church experience had a really, really, really big impact on my belief about Christians. See, at that church, unfortunately, it was a really, really unhealthy culture. It was this culture of spiritual manipulation and hierarchy. You see, that church uh, taught me that there was this God that was super, super high up above, and he was, like, looking down at us, saying, like, you did this thing wrong, and you did this thing wrong. The the, the pastor taught about kind of this, like, prosperity God that wanted you to succeed, and if you didn't succeed, like, hey, frowning down at you. He's turning his back at you. And unfortunately... It scarred me in a really deep way, so much so when I thought about walking away from the faith. I ended up leaving the church completely, and I said, you know what, this, like, church thing, working in ministry thing, like, it's just not for me. Like, if there's a God up above and he's frowning down at all of my mistakes, I got way too many mistakes to be in, like, this Christian walk thing. And so I went on to um, volunteer and uh, as a Girl Scout corporate person and just kind of turned my back on the faith. Well, someone invited me to Buckhead Church, right? That's like almost all of our stories, right? Buckhead Church or Brownsbridge Church or this thing called the living room. And there was like this this new God that I was introduced to, this God that loved me with everything in him and that was continually chasing after me, not frowning at all of my stuff. But I think back to the moment when I left the church and I said, man, what if I would have never gotten introduced to a Buckhead What if we would have never gotten introduced to a Brownsbridge, to the living room? Like, what would have happened to my life? What would have happened to my marriage? What would have happened to my daughter? What what would have changed? And, And I get really sad about that because I know for sure in a room this size, I'm not the only person that's been hurt by Christians. I'm not the only person that's been hurt by the church and their lack of, like, overpouring Christianity. And I think that moment taught me one thing, like, as a Christian, as a believer, I never want to take this stuff lightly. I never want to become a fan of God at the expense of losing my responsibility as a follower of God. I don't just want to be on, like, the sidelines cheering and talking about Christ but not being like Christ. 
I mean, I want to be a true follower. Someone that looks at Jesus' life and says, I want to follow that. I want to do it that way. Not just, oh, that's cool what that dude did. Like, yeah, awesome. And and the, the sad part about it is we are seeing people, we have seen people leave the church in droves because of unmet expectations, because of running into a person that really didn't walk the Christian walk. And while we may believe that Instagram is the biggest threat to Christianity or politics this year, goodness gracious, while we may believe that like all the darkness in the world is the biggest threat to Christianity, actually the biggest threat to Christianity are Jesus followers who claim the name of Jesus with their lips but fail to live out what Jesus taught with their lives. I mean, that's the biggest threat right there. That's what's turning people away from the church. And I think I can stand on this stage and say it pretty proudly because I am an effect of this. Imagine a Tony that did not get invited to the living room because I did not come and learn about a new God because I turned away from the faith because of people not living this thing out. And so we said in this series, how can we talk about following Jesus? How can we have a whole series called Follow and not talk about one of the greatest commandments that we are called to uphold as believers? And that's love. How could we leave this series and not stand on the truth that we are called to love people first? And so we're going to dive into scripture about this. Because before Jesus left this earth, he sat in front of his disciples. And in the book of John, we find this commandment, this this like charge that he gives to us before he goes and gets crucified. This is what he says in John chapter 13, verse 24 through 35. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If... You love one another. Here's what he's saying in a nutshell. Love as I have loved you. See, this is the thing I love about Jesus so much. He was a real dude. You see, he wasn't challenging people to do something that he himself would not do. Now, he's like, no, no, I'm calling you to this thing because this love thing is the very way people are going to recognize that you are connected in eternity to me. But I'm not telling you to do this. I'm showing you how to do this by what I came to do for you on the cross. For some of us in the room that may just not know what that means. I mean, this is God, the creator of the universe, the earth, the moon, and the stars, every intricate animal from tigers to the white tiger. I went to the zoo the other day. I was like, oh my gosh, it's like crazy. All of these different species of animals And then he sat down and said, the earth isn't even complete without you and you and you and me. This big God sent his only son to come and die for his creation. And that God said, hey, like, I'm doing this because I love you. And Jesus carried that mission because he loves us. And so he's not just waving his big finger up there saying, if you don't do this, he's saying, hey, I I want you to do this. 
because I need more people to see what I did for you by you showing them that same love. See, for the Christians in the room, if we were to walk around with a badge of any sort, the badge of Christianity would say love. It wouldn't say, I'm a two on the Enneagram. I love helping people. It's my thing. It wouldn't say, I'm a one on the Enneagram. I'm perfect. I read my Bible every day. It wouldn't say, I'm a three. Bro, I can like lift 50 million hundred pounds. I'm killing it. No, no, it would say love. It wouldn't say professor. It wouldn't say student. It wouldn't say girl. It would say love. And that's how people identify us as Christians. But here's what I love so much about the Bible. Because it keeps uh, so many different consistencies throughout the entire thing to keep on proving to us how real the word of God is. You see, Jesus talked about this love thing before he left the earth. He preached it to John, and then it stuck to John, and he went and preached it. I mean, that's what he said. He said, people are going to know that you're my disciples because you're going to uphold this thing called love. And so John carries this with him as he preaches the gospel. But then at the end of John's life, when he was exiled out of the community to go and live alone in isolation, at the end of his life of ministry, he leaves these words with us. He says, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. John's just reiterating what he's thought. I mean, he thinks it's so important that we should know again later in the scripture. But then John gets a little real out here. And he says this in, in 1 John chapter 4 later in the scriptures. He goes, we love first because he loved first. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. And I think that's how he said it too, with a little whip like that. <laughs> For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Here's what John is saying that's getting a little real out here. He's saying, bro, listen, you cannot walk around and say, oh, I'm saved. I received Jesus into my heart. I love God. He's the best. And not love the people that you do life with. No. Because then at that point, you're a liar. At that point, like, you're not showing God love. Because you're not loving his people well, his creation well. And this isn't like the type of love that like comes and goes. See, when God placed this mantra of love, this, this demand to love, he did it in a consistent way. He charged us to live it out from dusk until dawn, 24, 7, 365 days a year. I got nervous because I almost forgot how many days of year were in a year. All the time. He called us to love no matter how we feel about somebody. Uh-oh, getting in your business. Well, I just don't feel like I should love this person. Did you not hear what he or she said to me? Uh-uh, no, no, no. He broke up with me. No, I can't love that person. 
I can't show love to that person. And then your friends just gas you up to, yeah, oh my gosh, he's just, he's ugly. He's like, I'm not even sure why you got with him in the first place. It's like, oh my God. Right? We're quick to bash him. It don't even matter. And you ghost following him at night. Okay. Right? For you real crazies out there, sneakerheads, somebody steps on your shoe, it's like, nope, I'm not showing them love. You just scuff the fresh Jordans out here. You know what I'm saying? It's not a love that's based on how we feel. It loves beyond feelings. It also loves beyond mood. Some of y'all in here ain't mourning people. You look crazy. And you act crazy too. Some of you guys in here is like, I'm just not in the mood to be nice. I'm not in the mood to talk to someone. But God's like, no, no, no. Through my power, you can love through that. You can love through your mood. And here's the real kicker. Some of y'all don't think people deserve your love. Uh-oh. And I'm guilty of this, if we're just going to be real about it. I'm guilty of judging a person based on their outer appearance and not giving them all of me because I'm like, ah. Uh. I'm guilty of making fun of people. I had to stop making fun of people because I'm really good at it because I'm, I'm funny a little bit. I used to just, I could just talk about people for hours. That's not love. Because they don't wear what I wear, have as many followers as I have, has, many, has as many likes as I have because they're not in this group, because they're not, uh, you know, getting the right grades. All these different um, biases that we have, we deem people undeserving of our love, consciously and subconsciously. But the love that God calls us to give as Christians, as believers, is a love that moves past the way that we feel about somebody, the mood that we're in. It moves past if we feel like somebody deserves it or not. It loves through all that. And that's real, and that's hard, but that's what God has called us to. Because here's the truth. When our love for others is rooted in the fact that God loved us first, our love has no limits. Feelings can't get in the way. Moods can't get in the way. Pain can't even get in the way. See, when we start to pull from the source of love, our creator, it fills us up in a way that allows us to push past the things that may hurt us, the things that we're uncomfortable with, the things that stretch us as believers. It pushes past it. So many of you in the room are saying, okay, whoa, okay, we got this love thing down pat. It's an unlimited love that God calls us to. But how do we put that into action as believers. Well, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, here's what it says. It lays it out pretty clearly for us. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, believers, holy and dearly loved by God, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, this is hard, right? Because this takes this very beautiful picture of love and it puts it into some practical ways to see it out. So here's a list, a little recap for us right here. Boom. How do we love well? We love with compassion. 
We lean in the direction of other people, even when it's not our problem, when it's not our thing. We seek to understand what people are going through so that we can show a level of care for them. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I am toe up right now because of what's happened in Nashville. I was literally just in Nashville this past weekend, a day before everything went down. And what am I doing? I'm trying to love. I'm sending DMs. I'm sending text messages. I'm leaning in the direction of people, even when it's really not my problem. Kindness? Oh, man, some of y'all just stank out here. You're just rude. You mean, right? You're just mean. It's like, why did you just do that? And if you're in a customer service job, you need to reevaluate that, okay? <laughs> okay, we've all had the mean waitress. It's like, why are you here? You don't want to be nice. But kindness, man, kindness goes a long way. To open a door for somebody, to pay it forward for somebody that's standing in a line behind you or in front of you that looks like they're struggling, to, if you felt led to, give the homeless person something. It's smiling at people. It's being joyful and sharing that joy with other people. Humility, some of y'all in here are prideful. That's what you're battling with. Humility, you think you're right all the time. What does humility look like? It looks like leaning into a conversation, a conflict, a situation, and saying, I could be wrong. I could be wrong because I value you so much that I would not dare place my rightness over you as a human being, so I could be wrong. Humility also says, let me just serve. Let me hold the door. Let me come a little earlier. Let me help clean up the trash in here after everything's done. Humility says... Big God, little man. I'm, I'm little. I want to be smaller, and I want God to be bigger in my life. Patient, oh, God, I skipped right over gentleness. Let me tell you why I skipped over it, because it's my fruit of the spirit that I chose for this year, and I hate it. I'm not gentle. I am built for tough out here, okay? I'm from Texas, baby, all right? And it's hard to be gentle to people. It is. But earlier this year, Oh, a mentor, a friend of mine, Jeff Henderson, he charged us with one fruit of the Spirit for the year, and it's hard. I said, I'm going to choose gentleness because I'm going to be like a princess, and it's hard. <laughs> Somebody pop off at you? I almost went off on the Starbucks lady the other day. I said, no, ma'am, I ordered a white mocha, not a mocha. I said, I'm supposed to be gentle. It's hard. Coming in things with grace and kindness and slowing down for a second, lowering your voice, not being quick to anger, as the Bible says. We're going to pass over that mug. Uh, patience, y'all know what it is. Slowing down. Letting somebody do a thing that may cost you time. Woo, that's hard for me. Woo, I didn't pick patience, that's for sure. Um, but giving up your time for the greater good, to love someone. And forgiveness, even in the midst of people that hurt you, that caused you immeasurable pain, saying, I forgive you because God forgave me, and not carrying that weight. And that's hard. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. Pick one this week. Just pick one of them. I'm not going to say all of them because I can't do all of them. And I'm trying to be like Jesus, and I don't want to tell you to do something that I'm not going to do, okay? I'm focused on gentleness, okay? Pick one this week. What do you want to uphold this week? How can you love people better through these ways? Just pick one. 
Get it in your mind now. Get it in your heart now. Or if you don't have it, pray about it. Ask God, which one do I need to do? Show me the way. And let's start to love people better. Let's start to focus on the next generation of believers who want to know a God that's for them, not against them, but they can't see it because we're not showing it. And if there's one thing I want to leave you with tonight, it would be this right here. Great love should flow through you as a response to a greater love that came for you. This is not us just pulling out of nothing. We're pulling from the majestic, powerful, all-knowing love of God. We're pulling from a well that never goes dry. And we can do this. We can love people well. We can forgive quickly. We can be gentle with people. And we can show the love of God in our world. Now, I want to do something special tonight. Because as we're talking about this idea around love, we have to recognize and honor that everyone in this room is at a different place. As I said in the beginning, there are people in this room on the belief pendulum or spectrum that's like, okay, Tony, I got it. I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've put all my trust in him. I am walking on pure faith right now. I am trying to live this thing out while doing my life as a young adult. And it's hard, but I got you, Tony. I'm there with you. I want to practice this. I want to get better at this. But then there are people in the room. It's like, I don't really have a lot of love to give because I have not yet received love from the source of our creator. I have not yet placed all of my trust at the feet of Jesus. I've not said yes to this journey. I, I don't even know how to do this stuff. The scriptures, they sound real cool, but like low-key, I still don't really know what's going on. But I want to know. And so tonight, as we've done before here at the living room, we want to give an invitation. And I love that word so much because I have been in ministries that give a command, a demand to do something. This is not that. What this moment is, is an invitation. It's a come and see. It's a door open that you get to walk through and not get pushed through. And that invitation is an invitation to walk with Jesus. Hand in hand, not a Jesus that's all the way at the end of the tunnel, at the end of all your brokenness, waiting for you to get cleaned up, like, come on, come on, come on. No. We're talking about an invitation to a Jesus that's with you in the tunnel. That's the light right there, guiding your feet step by step by step. 